One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to part two of this week's Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with loads in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. We spent Monday's episode on Planet Terror, which means that today, while an indestructible automobile might seem like a wonderful invention, making our streets and motorways safer, that's only as long as you don't use it to do murder. From 2007, we're talking death proof. Have you been following us? You saw my car, I saw your legs. Now look, I ain't stalking y'all, but I didn't say it wasn't a wolf. He's got charm. Is there anybody in this place you could vouch for to give me a ride home? Fair lady, your chariot of wheat. So which film in this week's Grindhouse Grapple will be victorious? We'll have a winner at the end of this show. So let's get it on. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Brothers. We're going to start with margaritas and Mexican food at Guero's before heading to the Texas Chili Parlor. You in? I'm Alex Zane. I'm Chris Tilly. <laughs> oh, what a lovely, lovely sound. I'm drinking a Dennis Hopper. You're drinking a Dennis yeah. Hopper? Yeah. We, did, we didn't know that our, our um, podcast company has a pub. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's dangerous information. I knew, and I've just kept it on the down low until now because of Thank, this exact situation. Thank you, Nikki, uh, who gave us a beer in our break mm. between the two episodes. Um, what's your percentage? Uh, this is, it's, what am I drinking? I'm drinking something called a Northern Monk. It's a, a hazy pale ale and it's 5.4%. What's okay, yours? 5.3. So oh. let's, let's, Kim. <laughs> hi, hi, welcome Kim. back. Hello. This is the reason you've got booze today is because you have a guest on. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a uh, playable pale ale called Oof. Win or Booze. And it is 3.8%, so I got the baby beer. Yes, quite smart. right. Smart moves, yeah. smart moves. Yeah. Uh, Kim is joining us again for yeah. this Grindhouse Grapple. Uh, thank you for being on Monday's episode. Today, 
obviously, we are going to be talking death proof. Are you excited to talk death proof, Kim? I'm really excited to talk death proof, yes. Yep, good, good. Me too. Yep, of course you are. <laughs> make, all they've heard is you making a weird noise. Yeah. Sorry, I was just watching Chris slowly raise the cam to his lips. Slowly raise Dennis Hopper to my lips. Uh, all right, then. So, this is part two of Planet Terror versus Death Proof on Monday. Chris ate our brains and gained our knowledge, which means today I don't want anyone hooking up over the course of this episode because we're driving to the lake house straight after. Let me take you. On a journey. Arlene, Jungle Julia and Shanna, not Shauna, are having a great night. Smashing back margaritas, chartreuse, wild turkey, all at the Texas Chili Parlor. Sure, there's that really creepy guy at the bar. <laughs> no, not Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> no, not Eli Roth. <laughs> Stuntman Mike shoveling some greasy nachos down his hole. But hey, what can go wrong? We, the viewer, know at least one of you is going to survive because them's the... Ro- oh my fucking God, they're all dead. <laughs> all of them. Damn you, Quentin Tarantino. Damn you. I spent 40 minutes getting to know these characters and they're dead. So step forward, Abernathy, Kim, and real-life stuntwoman Zoe Bell, who are our avenging angels and beat stuntman Mike at his own game. What heroes they are. Although, let's not forget, they did leave their mate on her own with a pervert mechanic, so temper that applause. Clashbot is for your consideration. A death proof. So, individual histories with this movie. Let's start with you, Chris. When did you first see this? Uh, the same story as Monday. So when I watched Grindhouse in a heartbreaking evening at the Curzon Soho. But I do believe I've seen the Death Proof on its own, the full version in the cinema as well, because I've definitely seen a version of the movie with the lap dance and Grindhouse does not feature the lap dance. Ooh. Yes. I've seen the version with the lap dance. Kim. I've seen the version with the lap dance. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what was your first experience of this? Uh, this I saw it when it came out at the cinema. I watched it at the Showcase Winner Triangle. <laughs> What's that now? <laughs> the Showcase Cinema uh-huh. Winner's Triangle. Okay, great. Yeah, I saw Glenn Hoddle there once. <laughs> Lives in Ascot. What was, he, what was he watching? I don't know. It was with a lady oh. friend, though, but uh, who knows? Mm, maybe who knows? Goal. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> he actually watches football films. <laughs> of course he does. Oh. He wasn't watching Death Proof. At no. least I didn't see him in the cinema, or I don't remember seeing him in the cinema. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, and I, I instantly loved it. It was evidence to me that... Um, there was more to Quentin Tarantino than what we'd seen before, and I've always loved Tarantino. But it, you know, I loved the experimental nature of it. So yeah, I saw it without Death, uh, without uh, Planet Terror. I, I love the fact it made you think there's more to Quentin Tarantino no, no. because I know some people made it them think there was less to Quentin Tarantino yeah. than we've been led to yeah. believe. Yeah, this is often cited as his worst film. Mm. Is it? Oh no. yeah, definitely. I think it's. I think it's. I think he's talked about it. Yeah. Well, I disagree with Quentin Tarantino mm. on that. Mm. Mm. Uh, so it's a bit of a tricky one. A bit sketchy. My memory of this. I think I've seen some of it before. Here's what I think happened. You know when uh, you have someone back on a date scenario back to your house and you want some ambiance in the room, so you put on a movie, but then people start talking and you're not really watching the movie, you're kind of chatting and stuff, and so I think this has been on, and not my request, but perhaps the person I was with's request, and so I've half-watched it, but I certainly can't say that I've definitely seen it before properly because certainly 
the mid mid moment deaths shocked the shit out of mm. me this time, and that couldn't have been shocking if I'd seen it before. So, just to cut, for simplicity's sake, for simplicity's sake, let's, let's call it a first watch. Let's call it a first watch. Which means both these movies for me were a first watch. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about the movie. Um, so, uh, Tarantino was fascinated with the real. Real thing. Stuntmen death-proofing their cars to survive head-on collisions in films. Although there is a story that um, the idea for Death Proof came up when he was having a drunken hotel night with his friend Sean Penn. And in Tarantino, again... What's I a drunken hotel night? <laughs> <laughs> that know, sounds sexy. Yeah. Yeah, you raid the minibar, lock the door. <laughs> Hell of a night. You never had a drunken hotel night, Chris? Is that what you were doing when you beamed in to our... Um, to zoomed into our, our episode <laughs> oh, a while God. back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in a hotel room. Where were you, in Brussels? Warsaw. 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 And he'd hit the mini bar, and he's recording with us. And I don't know. I think Vicky was actually quite annoyed that you didn't tell us you were drinking because I think she would have got a drink. Well, if only she was here today, she's going to be doubly annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> Kim came in, and there uh, we all go from her. Um, so yeah, apparently he was having inadvertent commas because we can't confirm what a drunken hotel night is for Quentin Tarantino. But let's imagine him and Sean Penn are in Watch, their it's underpants. Watching, it's watching films. <laughs> yeah, they're lying on the bed next to each other, having raided the mirror bus, surrounded by tiny bottles of spirits, all empty, in their pants. And Quentin says he wants to buy a Volvo because he doesn't want to die in some auto accident like the car crash in Pulp Fiction. Sean, I want to buy a Volvo. <laughs> what? We're having we're having a hotel night. <laughs> Come on, man. No, no, Sean, look. He's, a, he's on Auto Trader, the website. He flipped open his laptop. He's like, look, this, is this a good Volvo, Sean? Sean? Sean's like, shall I phone some gals? No, I want to talk about this Volvo. <laughs> Just going, going through each image going, look at that Volvo. I'm not oh. sure this story is true. Uh, well, Sean Penn was meant to be cast as Butch in Pulp Fiction at one point, so there's clearly, you know, a friendship there. You know, a kind of drunken hotel night friendship. Okay. Uh, so uh, Sean Penn then says to Quentin Tarantino, you don't need to get a Volvo. <laughs> what, are you, are you, what are you talking about? This never happened. It's definitely happened. <laughs> you fucking cake sailor. This never happened. Quentin Tarantino was talking to Sean Penn, saying how he wanted to buy a Volvo. Of course, yeah. Sean, they're really safe. Right. They're really Famously safe, safe cars. Yeah. Although, did you know that they've, uh, they, the Volvo estate that was so popular with sort of people, families, middle class families, yeah. they're not making it anymore no, in the UK. No. I know, for some reason, I do know that. It's off the market. Yeah. Off oh, the market. That's why our neighbours got one, I reckon. They've got an old school maroon one. Vintage. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Fucking hell, can we get off this Volvo chat? This is so boring. So... Quentin's saying to Sean Penn, I'm really interested. Yeah, we got that bit. In Volvos. Uh, Sean Penn says, listen, Quentin, you don't have to buy a Volvo. What you could do is just get any car, Volvo or otherwise, take it to a stunt team, and for about ten dollars to $15,000, they can death-proof it for you. Sean says this to Quentin. That's where the phrase death-proof came from, stuck in Quentin's head. Hence, here we are. You guys, we did the Volvo chat? Yeah. You feel good about that? Mm. Uh, right then. Also, Quentin said he wanted to do a slasher film, but because he's Quentin, he wanted to do it his way. Mm. 
So Yeah, because there's such a rigid structure yeah. to the slasher film. He was like, well, I took the heist film and ripped up the structure, mm-hmm. so that's what I'll do with the slasher film. He said he watched every slasher film. I'm not sure that's true. Starting with Black Christmas, oh, which good. we've done. Yeah. Love, love a bit of Black Christmas. Yeah, yeah, that was good. I enjoyed that episode. All right, so he says, my version is going to be fucked up and disjointed, uh, but it seemingly uses the structure of a slasher film, hopefully against you. Congratulations, Quentin. It works. It does work. So Tarantino also wanted to make a movie that involved a proper good car chase. Uh, Here's his statement that I 100% agree with. Tell me what your thoughts are. CGI for car stunts doesn't make any sense to me. How is is that supposed to be impressive? Agree, disagree? Are you a car stunt fan? Because I'm a big fan of car stunts. I am, and I love to know that it was really done, Hmm. definitely. But, you know, when you're watching something and it's done with CGI and you can't tell, is that ever the case? You can't tell? Um, Then that's just as impressive. Less impressive when you find out later they'd done it on computers. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, you weren't on this episode, Alex, but when we did Italian Job and Fast Five, I did talk about that quite a lot, where the the, the Fast and Furious films felt like they turned into these CGI cartoons. Mm. And, and, And once that jeopardy has gone out of it where I think all oh, people might actually be in danger, which isn't good. But um, it's, it just makes it less interesting to me. So I'm, I'm 100% on his side here. Mm. Yeah, he goes on to say, I don't think there have been any good car chasers since I started... This is quite a big swing. Mm-hmm. I don't think there have been any good car chasers since I started making films in 1992. To me, the last terrific car chase was in Terminator 2. So that's from a 2007 interview. I, I'm not sure about that. I think it's a. I think it's a bit too much of a generalisation. You're a Matrix fan, mm. Kim. Mm. Matrix Reloaded. There's smatterings of CGI in that chase, but it's done for real. Mm-hmm. That's 2003. That's a good car chase. Yeah, it was uh, ambulance. I'm thinking of immediately in my head. I love that film uh, with the Michael Bay one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's been some, John John Wick has uh, the John Wick films have some good car chases. Yeah, but this, Rome, was, this, yeah, was, in yeah, two, sure. this was in 2007. Yeah. So you're only allowed to pick movies yeah, that, that contradict that statement between 1992 yeah. and 2007. Well, well, I, I would say the one that springs to mind for me is Ronin. Absolutely, 100. percent mm. That's the one I, I that said I it first. Think, I said it first. Well, yeah, but I mean, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. <laughs> it's really annoying. I can't it? remember it. Yeah, so. yeah. It, it was quite good. Mm. Yeah, there's the Ronin car chase, as we said, the Matrix Reloaded, freeway yeah. chase. I think the Lamborghini chase and the Rock at the start of the rock that's also very good um the mm. chase I, I guess you could argue for the jason Bourne chasers but i'm not a big fan i think the i don't like the handheld camera work on the chase yeah, I, I think the rock one's too choppy like what he's talking about here is and, and it comes up in the film is getting back to vanishing point yeah mm-hmm. uh, which i watched again last night mm-hmm. and, and and what he's doing here which is these long takes where you're seeing everything happening in real time mm-hmm. yeah i mean uh, that that is absolutely what he's what he's harking back to i mean obviously the film overtly mentions vanishing point but the french connection car mm-hmm. chase uh the car chase in bullet, in bullet. Yeah, yeah there you go there you go. You said that first as well. Well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do love the fact that he considers the car action at the start of Final Destination 2 brilliant because that start mm-hmm. to that movie it outdoes the first movie. It's mm-hmm. probably the best on screen, like how everyone dies in the entire Final Destination yeah, but franchise. It's not car chase, is it? It's, it's not a car chase. He doesn't call it a car chase. Okay. 
He calls it car action. Great scene. And we, we, we need to figure out what to do with Final Destination as well because it's long overdue on this podcast. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so a very quick bit on casting uh, before we get into this movie. Uh, so before Kurt Russell, Quentin Tarantino tried to cast John Travolta, Willem Dafoe, John Malkovich, Mickey Rourke, Ron Perlman, Bruce Willis, Carl Penn and Sylvester Stallone. Now obviously that's a Wikipedia list because I copied and pasted that. Mm. Cal Penn. He went to Cal Penn before Kurt Russell. <laughs> That list is not true. <laughs> I also feel like maybe Kurt Russell was above Ron Perlman in the list. Just knowing how much Quentin Tarantino loves Kurt Russell, loves Kurt Russell film. And obviously that this famous quote from him about this is that he was sick and tired of watching him play characters in Miracle and Dreamer and he mm. wanted him to be a fucking this badass. Absolutely, it. Quentin Tarantino is famous for resurrecting careers and, and Kurt Russell was ripe for that at the, this yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, or just being in something cool. Like yeah. he was making successful family films yeah but, but let's not... get back to snake plissken yeah well what's the actual quote uh <laughs> when i open the, this is quentin tarantino when i open the newspaper and see an ad that says kurt russell in dreamer or kurt russell in miracle i'm not disparaging those movies you kind of are you kind of are quentin but i'm thinking when is kurt russell gonna be a badass again so that's why he casts him as stuntman mm-hmm. mike um obviously go on to work with him again in The Hateful Eight and if you want more on that do check out our Hateful Eight versus The Thing episode um, as I said on Monday regarding the name depends who you want to believe Sean Penn having a hotel night with Quentin mm. says okay I gave him death proof Robert Rodriguez says he gave him death proof yeah all we can say for sure is Quentin Tarantino did not come up with death proof on his own <laughs> as a name no Vo- mm. Volvo proof <laughs> Good, good. Anyone want to write that down? <laughs> no, I'm writing down the number so we can cut it. 15 minutes, cut, cut, cut. In the opening credits of the film, you've got a flash of another title. Yeah. Now, was that the original or a hint of an original title for the film? Mm. Or is that like meant to signify that, that this has been recorded over the top of something else? Well, so he has said that exploitation films were commonly retitled, especially if they received bad press in another country. And so he was paying homage right. to that. Mm. Okay. And that title was Thunderbolt. Mm. Mm. Good title. Yeah. Great title. Mm. Great title. Um, maybe, well, maybe, it was, maybe, maybe it was two things. Maybe Quentin Tarantino didn't want to admit that Sean Penn came up with Death Proof, but he wanted to... Because he of, didn't, because the Volvo <laughs> chat in the bedroom never happened. <laughs> Hell, Alex. What's your source for this? Oh my god! I interviewed Cal Penn, and he said <laughs> <laughs> he said he went up hours later after they'd yeah. been drinking together, and Quentin had decided on the Volvo he wanted on yeah. Auto Trader. Cal Penn, who, who was going to play the Zoe Bell role? <laughs> no, Cal Penn was going to play the car. That's famous. <laughs> it's a famous, famous quote from Cal Penn. Uh, right then. Uh, so, uh, love all the start, love all the damaged footage. I watched this before. I watched Planet Terror, so I wrote down how much I loved all that. I, 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 I do. I think it looks great. And here we are. The movie starts. What does it start on? More feet. More feet. <laughs> well, I guess there's this more is... feet in this movie than in any other Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, movie. and I guess this is when I, I probably fully realised what was going on. Maybe everyone fully realised what mm. was happening here. That he's pushing his kink, and that's fine. But it's just, it's just, it's just so prevalent now that it's kind of hard work. Especially, I don't know how someone like you deals with it who's not into feet. <sighs> Wait, are you into feet? I don't mind them. Like, right. I, I, but you're not into them. I just feel like they're being pushed on me. By him. He's a feet pusher. I'd rather see gratuitous feet than gratuitous tits. 
Right, right. So, I can't get on board. Gosh. I want to get on board with that. I can't. <laughs> but that's because you don't like feet. That's because I don't like feet. That's not because I'm saying. Basically, it's like what we were talking about on Monday. If we, if throughout my life, feet had been reversioned to be as yeah. titillating as breasts to yeah. me, then I would. Oh, I'd be all over those feet. Yeah, you couldn't stop me. <laughs> So you are right with feet because Chris right doesn't mind feet, them. Yeah. I hate them. You, you I like don't them? Mind. I'm I'm into them. I suppose They're not a, not a fetish of mine, but um, I, I find happy myself to see them. when I watch a new Quentin Tarantino film slightly on the edge of my seat because I'm waiting for it to happen now, yeah. and it's and I don't know what that is. It's like and, and with this film, I'm like, oh god. But I mean, it's cool that he's got a thing that he's into and he wants the world to celebrate it alongside Has him. Has he spoken about this uh, sexual fetish? Kim, he doesn't need to. Well, you know, I, maybe it's a joke he's playing on people or <laughs> maybe he just wants to reposition the foot in cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. I think, look, the, the, the baseline on... on on how you understand where you sit on the spectrum of hating feet, me, to loving feet, Quentin Tarantino, to maybe not minding feet, you guys. Sure. So it's if you are with your partner, who you're in love with, and they ask you to suck their toe, do you suck it? No. Chris? Uh, as long as it's clean. So a clean toe you'll suck, Kim? Yes. No? Probably not. Right, so Probably. you're closer to me, because I think I'll, I'll, I, I would I'll, throw up over that. <laughs> there's, <laughs> not much, there's not much I wouldn't, I wouldn't do, though, disgusted. so... Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. As long as it's I'm washed. I just feel a bit silly, I think. Oh, you're, yeah. you're, the optics, you're worried about, yeah. like, if someone walked in on you sucking a toe. <laughs> like Fergie. Right. Not, not Fergie. Black Eyed Peas Fergie. No. No. Fergie. Allegedly. Fergie. Sarah Ferguson. Sarah Ferguson. Whose toe was she sucking? Uh, that businessman. Level he was sucking her toe, wasn't he? Or was it vice versa? Yeah, right. I think so, yeah. Okay. Anyway. That's a deep cut. <laughs> yeah, fine. <laughs> fine, okay. Uh, the weird thing. Let, 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 let's, <laughs> We've not got off the first shot of the film. <laughs> let's, let's, bring it, let's bring it back to the film. Yeah. So, Quentin Tarantino loves feet, but in this, he has stuntman Mike suck Rosario Dawson's toes and stuntman Mike is a badden in this film so is he in some way acknowledging that perhaps his fetish isn't entirely healthy and comes from a dark place I didn't have that scene in my version <laughs> when does he suck her toes when he drops his keys on the ground outside the grocery store uh, so he can then lean over and suck her toes, and then when she feels him sucking her toes, yeah, that's he never shot that scene. <laughs> so he you, you've not seen that scene. No. He, he licks his finger and traces it along her toes. Right, but it looks a bit like he's. I licking. swear he licks them. But is this 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 is a Fergie being lipped rim from lip, 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 <laughs> it lip, is rim lipped rim from rim? Okay, <laughs> maybe there's a version. Are you kidding? I wish we all just done this beforehand so we've all seen different versions. I swear there's a bit... Remember, You've what seen said? the same version. It's just you're disagreeing about what happens in the scene. Oh, OK. Yeah. And I haven't watched this version of Death Proof in 15 years, so I don't remember. OK, well, I'm not going to fast-forward through my notes, but I've written down whether he sucks the toes or not, and I wouldn't have written that down in my... <laughs> these notes are definitive, so when we come there, I'll clarify. You're telling our guests they're wrong. I'm not. I'm saying you could be wrong. I'm, what I'm creating is jeopardy for when we come to that scene, okay. what my notes actually yeah. say. Uh, right then. Uh, so uh, it looks like they're going to have a great night. Uh, Jungle Julia at the start makes smoking weed look fun, and I don't smoke weed because it makes me paranoid. But that bit where she just collapses onto the couch, mm. it's like hits up the bong. I'm like, I bet that, that look, it makes it look attractive. So off we go. Classic Quentin. 
car scene. Oh, we got going through Austin. Yeah. There's the Alamo Draft House. I've been to both these uh, restaurants they go to. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Are they real restaurants? Yeah, yeah. Guero's is a real restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the Texas Chili Parlor. Yes. <laughs> and they look like they do in the movie. Yes. Those are the actual ones. Yeah, they love it. They, they, both these guys love Austin. And if you're in Austin, they, there's great food and drink places. Like, wow. they just filmed in the places they like. I didn't even know they were real. And do you know what I wrote? I, was, I, I wrote down... This looks like a killer night. We might, we might be you able to do it soon, night. Alex, if we, if we manage to go. If Vicky listens to this, she'll want to come. <laughs> uh, right, so margaritas and Mexican food at Guero's. Oh, then on to the Texas Chili Parlor. I'm into this night. No hooking up because we're driving to the lake house. And she talk, starts talking about how her dad pops in to check on them when they're hanging in their bikinis at Lake House. This is all great because it's going into a level of detail. Where you're like, you, you, for me, I'm genuinely like, right, so we're going to go to the lake house at some point, which is why when what happens happens, it's such a shock because mm. the film is doing perfect misdirection. So um, we get to Guero's. Uh, we get this introduction of what Jungle Julia said on her radio breakfast show that if someone comes up to... <laughs> Arlene, a.k.a. Butterfly, at some point during the night recites a creepy as fuck poem, uh, <laughs> then she has to do a lap dance for them. It's not a very good friend, I Great. don't think. Please, she said that. Yeah. I think she's setting her friend up for difficulties on a night out. Yeah, yeah. You know? I wouldn't do that to no. a friend. But not- she did give her an out. She does give her an out. I suppose she does. She has the out planned, but it's just it's just an excuse to give creepy people a reason to come and talk to you, which I'm guessing women don't need. No. There's enough of us doing that already. No, although there is that bit later when, you know, uh, Kurt Russell gets all, or Stuntman Mike gets all the game on her and says, you're a bit hurt that no one came up to you, aren't mm. you? And so she kind of wants it. She does. There's nothing more attractive than a bruised ego on a beautiful angel. Yeah. Mm. He's negging her. Yeah, he is. She falls for it. But literally negging her because he's got that that terrifying book that he gets out. Yeah, it's a chicken shit. Which (laughs) column am I going to put you in? (laughs) The ultimate neg. But you're absolutely right. I think it's a cruel thing for uh, Jungle Julia to do. And I, I just think it's just crazy. Like, you have a responsibility as a professional broadcaster. So I just want to say, if any of you see Chris out, all you need to do is come up to him and call him Butterfly, and he will... I'll say, I'm the only one that hasn't been approached by someone crazy in that pub. Uh, Vicky obviously had that woman try and start a fight with her because Vicky's voice is so loud. True. It was frightening. And then you had two people in the space of an hour, one of whom was very nice, one of whom started showing you his his tattoo and looked like he wanted to kill you. Mm. Yeah. It's what I do. I, I divide people. They, like You can go from meeting me going, big fan, to going, yeah. I want to kill you within oh, yeah. the space they, of five minutes. Yeah, he was a big, was a big room to fan. Was, I mean, in many ways, it was a, a wonderful arc for him. <laughs> it was just so fast. Oh, was so if fast. I was writing that arc, I would have I I laid it last half an hour, Should've not, not yeah. three minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the arc for a short. Yeah, it was, uh, it was bad. Yeah. Is he going to kill us, Alex? <laughs> do you know what? But look. I've, it's, my, it's my theory. Any pub that you build next to a train station, a bus station, the nearest pub to any public transport hub is always it's, full it's of all, crazies. It's also quite near a football ground. There there's go. a lot There's a lot going on there. It's the triumvirate. Yeah. Anyway, look, they're on to uh, part two of their kick-ass night. They're off to the Texas Chili Parlor. Uh, Eli Roth turns up. 
uh, playing Dov uh, with Michael Bacall. You know mm. Michael Bacall? Yes. I've interviewed him. Oh, yeah. Interesting, mm. interesting. Bl- yeah, I interviewed him on the set of a film he wrote. Uh, he wrote Scott Pilgrim and he wrote 21 Jump Street. Co-wrote both of those scripts. So, super talented dude. Mm. Um, yeah, and they're good. I mean, obviously, they're playing despicable human beings, Eli and, and, and Michael Bacall here, but they're very good. You know, they do a good job of, of, of the ultimate sleazebags. I just wish, I wish we saw them get a comeuppance. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, no one gets a comeuppance in this film apart from, uh, from Mike. That's the weird thing, isn't it? What does Dov say? Eli Roth's character, we need to get some liquor down these fucking bitches' throats. Disgusting. Calling them bitches, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Mm. Uh, also, mm. creepy as fuck, Quentin Tarantino turns up, just like forcing chartreuse on people. You know what mm-hmm. chartreuse is? We've done this before, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. This, uh, this herbal liqueur made by monks in France. Have you ever had chartreuse? I haven't, no. No, I haven't either. Have you? No. I don't mind if Quentin Tarantino forces that on me. I don't know. There's just, I think there's something... <laughs> He's just such an imposing presence. Mm. Like, when he arrives and he's sort of got mm. the girl on his lap and he's just sitting there. Is she his girlfriend? Maybe she is. I don't know. I just... I don't know. He creeps me out. Yeah, but I think that's the point of his character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's a bit overbearing. And yeah. he, everyone knows him and he knows everyone. And it's a bad, bad, bad... Uh, it's a base. It's a place full of bad people. Mm. Uh, fan of Nat shows. Those nachos look great, don't they? <laughs> not the... What? Oh, my God, they do. Yeah, but not the way Mike's eating them. Not the way he eats them. The actual nachos. It's just because it's... like it's, <laughs> I honestly find it one of the most repulsive things. Like, like the bit in Fellowship... Not Fellowship. The bit in The Return of the King, where the steward of Gondor, the way he's eating those tomatoes, yes, and yeah. it's all dribbling down. It, it reminded me of that. Did it? Mm. Yeah. No, it, it, yeah. But, you know, designed to make the person... Kind of repulsive. Yeah, but do, do you ever have queso uh, when... I'm, I'm not sure if this is just a, a thing that I've had in Austin whenever I'm there, but mm. queso is what is 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 on the nachos in Austin. What's queso? It is hot cheese, slightly spicy hot cheese oh. that they pour all over it. And it is phenomenal. I'm so addicted to it. And, and every bar, pretty much, that I've been to in Austin will serve you, you know, nachos... Um, sorry, nachos with, with queso if you want it. And it's just... You just go through it like it's... You don't. You don't have. Di- I don't have dinner. I'll just be having beer and that. So are you saying the way that stuntman Mike eats those nachos is how you eat queso covered nachos no. when you're in Austin? Yeah, it I've is. got manners. I don't know. I can imagine you just I the, the way you it. described it just then sound like an addict going. I, I won't eat anything else. I won't have dinner. I'll just get to those fucking nachos. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't repulsed by Kurt Russell eating those nachos. Were well, you not? I thought no. you were supposed to be. I'm. Yeah, you are supposed to be. But you know, I and I was by the steward of Gondor. Right. Tomatoes. Yep. It's dripping, <laughs> dripping cherry tomatoes that burst over uh, his bottom lip. Uh, something I really like about Stuntman Mike. Oh, yeah, I agree. He's, very, he's a very likeable dude. Yeah. <laughs> I see no problem with anything he does in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. No, no. You know, by the end, I'm still unsure if he's the hero or the villain. <laughs> he says he didn't mean it. Yeah. <laughs> he's just having a bit of fun. That's what you do when you've got powerful cars. You just race and bash into each other and, and drive through people uh, so yeah we go so i mean obviously this ticks a big box for me how many burt Re- uh, burt reynolds references can you get in one movie <laughs> a lot eastbound and down here uh smoking the bandit stroker ace references uh obviously quentin tarantino famously wanted to cast him in the bruce dern role they once upon a time in hollywood but sadly he passed before and, he and could it, film that and equally it feels like a precursor to once upon a time in hollywood when uh, stuntman Mike's listing his credits mm. 
because it, it's there's a lot of crossover with the shows that are mentioned in in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the, and those characters' history. Also, did you know Kurt Russell was in an episode of High Chaparral, and that gets a mention as a as a show that someone might work on. Lovely stuff. <laughs> what did what did we say at the start? Oracle of movie knowledge. Did not know that. That's oh, great. There you go. That's great. Uh, more Jungle Julia being a bad one. Uh, she calls Rose McGowan's character Pam a skinny fake blonde bitch. No, but I know she's a skinny fake blonde. Is there some doubt as to who whether she's a goodie or a baddie, Pam? Is Pam maybe nice and Jungle Julia's horrible? I thought so. That's what mm. I yeah. walked away with. But based mm. on a, a cumulative effect, not just that, but also the, the, the trick, the poem trick that she plays on Butterfly slash Arlene. Because they don't seem like enemies when they're outside in the car park. Like, it feels like she just might have made that Ooh. up. You mean where Pam basically tells him, talks about how Jungle Julia bullied her at school? Mm. Mm. So maybe. Yeah, I think, she, I think, uh, I, I think she's uh, a bad one. Mm. Anyway, uh, Kurt Russell starts, uh, as you said, he starts talking. He's brilliant. He's teetotal, or at least we think he is at this stage. It's all part of his mm. big plan, isn't it? Mm. All part of his cover story. <laughs> he is teetotal, though, isn't he? No. No, because at the end, when you see him open the glove compartment, uh, a bottle of whiskey falls out that he drinks from and then pours on his wound, his bullet wound. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Which implies that it's been there all the time. And you see Earl McGraw, the sheriff, go, He his, his alibi is like he was in a bar all night, but he was only drinking club soda. So his alibi for why he gets yeah, away with I the murder. Because I heard Tarantino saying the whole point is he's teetotal is part of his plan because there's yeah. no alcohol in his system. Exactly. That's what. So he doesn't mm. drink to commit the murder, but clearly he drinks afterwards. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Celebrates when he's left the hospital. I, I would presume so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's part of his yeah. cover story. Excellent. Um, uh, they start doing shots of wild turkey. I just wrote down all the different booze they were drinking. I was like, <laughs> oh, I wonder if we should try and recreate this night yeah. uh, when we're in Austin. Maybe. Maybe. If we go. If we go. If we go. We're not, Vicky. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, Stuntman Mike can't sneeze, and we also see him earlier putting eye drops in. What is the, what are these moments about? Thoughts? Well, I I kind of like it. Just builds his character. That's what I thought with the eye drops in particular. I don't know about the sneeze moment. I thought that was uh, uh, something he'd engineered, um, faked, but. To what end, I'm not sure. Mm. But the eye drops thing is strange. When you see him put the eye drops in and he puts the visor down and you see the photos of the girls, later you see um, him pull the visor down again, but from the reverse, and you don't see his eyes, which I thought was interesting, but I couldn't work out what it meant. Yeah, I'm... I, I'm I'm wondering whether it's it, it's to do with his career as a stuntman. Now, if we're assuming he is, actually is a stuntman and this isn't all a lie... And he's just a psycho who's built a death-proof mm. car. If he, if he is a stuntman, because he's got the scars, which could be from a stunt-related injury. So I started creating this character whereby he's putting eye drops in because like, he's injured himself and he needs to keep his eyes moist. He can't sneeze anymore, could come from an injury. And then when the sheriff, Earl McGraw, goes, it's probably the only way he can like uh, shoot his goo, you start to wonder whether this, like, he has injured himself so badly that this is the only way he can... Mm. Uh, Interact mm-hmm. sexually, like mm. Crash. Mm. Yeah, right. well, I've definitely heard Tarantino talk about. There's an element of 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 Crash 
mm. in this, in that in that he's sexually aroused by car crashes. Mm. But there is that that um, uh, enigma around his career because Quentin Tarantino's character says, mm. "I've never known anything." I'd, that he's I'd been not in. thought about that before, but he definitely says that. And now you saying that he might not be a stuntman that has mm. blown my mind a little bit, right? Because he, he could just be a yeah. sick. Fuck. Mm. And uh, and he's just he's always wanted to be a stuntman, you know, because mm. he does sort of. It's that thing, isn't it? Like it's <laughs> he's very good at driving. He is good at driving. To, to, to give him his his credit. But it's it's uh, it's a bit like the uh, the the Joey from Friends Porsche joke when he's pretending to have a Porsche, he wears all the Porsche yes. gear, <laughs> and it's like that. It's like this guy dresses like a stuntman and acts like a stuntman. Mm. He's got the stunt jacket on and everything, and introduces himself as stuntman Mike. Mm. And they're all the sort of things some sort of weird crazed fan of stunt people would. Do, but not actually be one themselves. Mm, he's got the duck, the convoy duck mm. thing on the front of his car as well. Yeah. And that yeah. that film would definitely have existed in that universe. What, convoy? Yeah. I haven't seen that. Is it good? Yeah. Okay. I'm Is it? No. Chris Christopherson. I mean, do you not like I, it? Well, films based on songs I mean, are normally a bit questionable. It's very, well, you know, it was came at the time that... Um, uh, smoking the Bandit and those kinds of films were, were around. And don't don't say anything bad about Smoking. No, the I love Smoking. Yeah. Okay, Smoking the Bandit is, is, is a work of genius. It's my top five films of all time. But but you never want to do it on this show. Well, this I just I don't You're know. So scared. You're so scared. I, just, I said I don't want to do it with Cannibal Room. But you can do it with anything. No, let's you do didn't it want to convoy. do it with. Yeah, okay. Let's do it with Convoy. It's a weird week. Uh, <laughs> let's do it. With <laughs> no, one, no one's tuning in though. <laughs> <laughs> I said Jukes a Hazard. Yeah, but that's a piece of shit. Yeah. Anyway, look. Let's take a break. We'll work out that pairing, <laughs> come back and announce it after the break. Okay. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
<laughs> so next week's pairing <laughs> Jessica is... Jessica Simpson in Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah. Fine. I don't know. Whatever. Fine. Uh, right. Stuntman Mike is being scary AF right now outside with Jung and Julia and Arlene. He recites the poem. And in the end, Arlene, in the version I saw, does the lap dance for him in the middle of the Texas yes. Chili Parlour. Now, you're saying that wasn't in the... It's not in the Grindhouse version of this film, but mercifully, I have seen it. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and I, I guess it doesn't really matter whether it's there or not in terms of the story. It doesn't... It doesn't I don't think it indicates one way or another that it's like he's going to kill her. Well, he kills her in both versions. It doesn't so. change anything. No. It just... It just um, it's one less arse shot of a film that's filled with, you know, close-ups of women's bums. It's a homage to 70s exploitation cinema, so it's allowed. But you're right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, right then. Kim's frowning at you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's a bit of an excuse? Do you think it's like, oh, we're doing an homage, so uh, we can put the ass in this? Well, I actually think it's quite tame, um, that sequence, and I'm fine, I'm fine with it. And I think it actually... Um, adds a little an extra layer to stuntman mike when you see the way he reacts to the to the lap dance so which is how because i can't remember well he kind of smiles he kind of touches her a little bit and you know there's that would have obviously all been um uh talked about and and choreographed and you know maybe there's a maybe they talked about whether or not he touches her maybe he doesn't touch her but the fact that he touches her was really interesting Mm. to me Mm. so as in because I guess this, 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 this ties into the, 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 the statement, that, the gross statement that Earl McGraw makes where he goes, probably the only way the sick fuck can shoot his goo. So is he, are we saying that maybe maybe he's, he's just a, 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 a... He wants to murder them for murder's sake and he can actually, you know, engage sexually with a woman or, I don't know, no, it's no, it's it's complicated. It is. It's complicated. But I think this scene is important to include. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get to the first ish moment that I encountered uh we uh, which is Joe oh, just before the ish moment. I forgot that he does the Burt Reynolds moment yes. the breaking the fourth wall from the Smokey and the Bandit where Burt pulls exactly the same expression as he turns towards the camera and yet here terrifying yeah but also uh, it's that acknowledgement that in these kinds of films we want the we want the victims to die we want the killer to do what he's going to do yep. and it's acknowledging that and getting us on side and I love it for that and mm. we're like this is it now we're going to we're going to see it 100% makes us complicit in his actions because at that point we can go, oh, I'm going to turn this off. We don't. <laughs> we don't. Because we want to see Rose McGowan's face smashed off the glove compartment. <laughs> it's so dark. I mean, honestly, let's just uh, let's just workshop this. Would you ever get in that fucking car and sit on a fucking metal stool uh, like just for a ride home? I'm walking. No, I quite like Mike. <laughs> I want to hang out with him a bit more. But this is his trick. See, he has he has sold himself as a harmless yeah. guy. He's charmed them in some way. <laughs> they think they're a bit superior to him, all of those women, and she doesn't feel... It's his MO, and it's very clever, and it works, and it's such a great... You know, it'd be lovely to watch this film without knowing mm. what's coming, because it's such a great switcheroo. Yep. 
His old virgin pina colada in the bar, everything. Do you even know these movies I'm talking about? Yeah, he's... Yeah, so uh, in she gets, and whammy, uh, she gone. She is dead. It's so dark when her face slams in, and that bit. I think this is probably one of the tensest moments in the film where... He says, you know, which way are you going, left mm. or right? Mm. He's like, yeah. oh, that's a shame. 50-50, <laughs> you could have been going left. And like that moment, that little switch there and the realisation of her, and the bit where she begs to be let out of the car because she's like, I can still pretend it's a joke. And you're like, you, you, we know that you're lying. You're just trying to save your skin in this moment. Oh, it's awful and brilliant. And then what does he say? Now i got to catch my other girlfriends. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, it's Mick, not Mitch and Titch. Is that there on purpose for yeah. some weird Quentin Tarantino reason? Why is he going Mitch and Titch, not Mick and Titch? I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. Yeah. I didn't notice that he did, but yeah. I, I swear, Jungle Julie goes, it's Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mitch and Titch. And in the reality, it's Mick. Mm. Fine. I thought, I thought one of you might. We, we got we got nothing to say on that subject. Great, 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 great. Uh, snip that bit for socials, another, please, Nikki. Another comedic dead end. Oh, Barry, you are so funny sometimes. I'm not trying to be funny. Uh, and then, obviously, we get that scene uh, where he drives his death-proof car straight into the girl's car. Uh, and we get it repeated. Yes. Three times. Love Three it. times body, One's the body flying, one's the leg getting chopped off, and one's the head going. He knows what the worst is as well, because obviously, you know, that it's the rule It's the rule of three, obviously, while well, we only see three, and it goes gross, worse, absolutely horrific. That face ripped off by the tyre. Yeah. It goes, could survive, probably can't survive, definitely isn't surviving. Mm. Yeah, well, uh, and none of them survive. No, they all dead. Uh, and Prin- were... Princess died. Princess died. <laughs> so, so, Earl McGraw. Mm-hmm. Earl McGraw. Yep, in the hospital. He thinks. I mean, he's worked it all out. He's uh, yeah. He, he he knows what's going on. He yeah. cannot prove it. He's figured it out. He can't. He can't prove it. He's sober. They're stoned or drunk. And he gets away with it. Yeah. And also, I mean, yeah, he can't prove it once an easy life. He literally does say, I'd rather watch NASCAR than have to try and solve this crime. Oh, well. Yeah. So, Block's there. Dr. Block. Now, I watched this first. So, I obviously... Why would you do that? You were the one that made a big deal about getting the right order. I've told you my rules. My rules are that the movie I'm covering, I will watch first. What Uh, a stupid thing to do. (laughs) I'll I'll do it differently in the future. Because we're doing them chronologically, because the first one could affect the second one. Yeah, well, I realise that now, but I didn't at the time. I thought Mm. they were very separate. Mm. But she's back. Mm. What's the relation? What's her relation? She seems pissed off with her dad in this scene. No, she's pissed off with him in 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 the in Planet Terror as well. They've got a complicated yeah. They don't like each other. They don't get yeah. on. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, right then. Fourteen months later, mm. we're in in, Le- in Lebanon. Lebanon. Wasn't yeah. expecting that. <laughs> no curveball. Lebanon in Tennessee. Lebanon, Tennessee. Uh, so now we have got our new girls. We have got Kim played by Tracy Toms, Lee played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Abernathy played by Rosario Dawson, and very soon we're going to be seeing Zoe Bell uh, playing who? Chris. Zoe Bell. Yes. <laughs> She's playing Zoe Bell. Uh, so 
Oh, you see, I, I promised you it earlier. I can't, I can't deliver. Stuntman Mike has a foot fetish, is all my note says. It's, <laughs> it's still up for debate. Does he lick or does he just wet his finger and run it along? Um, I believe I, feet. our guest is always right. Five, Kim, <laughs> you're right. Uh, I, I wrote down, again, I don't know what, what, what versions you saw, but it definitely changed from scratched up film to crystal clear, but black and white, and then moved on again to colour. I don't think I got any black and white in my version, and it might have cleaned up, but I wasn't. Pe- I, I didn't notice if it did. Mm. Uh, so Zoe Bell, I've met uh, on the set of or doing an interview. I think she. Did, I think she was included in the. Inter- I can't remember how I've met her, but I've definitely met okay. her. I believe you. Uh, it's she's right. lovely, and she's uh, Uma Thurman's stunt double from Kill Bill. Uh, Quentin Tarantino wrote this for her, uh, and then said, "You don't have to do the stunts if you don't want to." She's like, mm-hmm. "That's what I do. I'll yes. do the stunts." She mm-hmm. said her ego it's would fun. not allow, <laughs> allow someone else to do that. Yeah, uh, we get the longest, uh, really long, eight minutes seven second diner scene where they're all mm. chatting. This, um, I don't know how you feel about the Bechdel test, but this film definitely doesn't pass it because <laughs> no. all they talk about is men and men's dicks and sleeping with men the whole way through. I mean, how did you feel about that? I, do. Well, I found it quite boring. Well, I, I like the difference between the first group of women and the way they talked about sex to how this group of women talks about sex. What was se- the difference then? They were much cruder, the first group. Right. The second group, they, there was an emphasis on romance. I used that word at one point. Okay. And so the first group of women in typical slasher uh, fashion mm. are deserving of death. Mm. And, uh, Very interesting. I like it. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. That's so good. But this lot are talking about dicks. They are, but it's, it's much less crude. And it's a also, romantic dick. They're also seen a lot in daylight. They're not getting drunk. These other women, the first group of women. Yes. Are, are... They're committing so-called sin yes. within the genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah like it. Well, I mean, this is 14 months later. So a lot can change in 14 months in, in terms of, of, you know... The, 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 the women's outlook on sex 14 yes. months is a, a lot <laughs> yeah but it, it, but it doesn't change within the slashes genre no, no it doesn't and also Rosario Dawson's character Abernathy she literally she is you know she has all the final girl quality she won't uh, have sex with this guy and etc etc so yeah it, it, it absolutely a 100% fits the slasher motif oh, gosh she's clever isn't she good <laughs> Nice one, Kim. Nice one. Nice Thanks. one. I, I, I enjoyed that lecture. So, uh, we learned a few bits and pieces. Kim carries a gun. Uh, Zoe wants to drive a 1970s Dodge Challenger. Never call a Kiwi an Aussie. I know that for a fact. Yes. They really I don't. think everyone, everyone knows that, don't they? It's like calling yeah. a Canadian an American, but worse. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, we see Stuntman Mike in the background in the diner. Uh, <clears throat> ship's mast. Still no idea why it's called Chip's Mask. Well, uh, no, no. I mean, it's more like a ship's figurehead, isn't it? Like Aunt Sally. Right. Right? It is. Aunt Sally. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about it. I suppose. I mean, is she trying to stand up at any point when nope. she's on it? No, I guess because she's... Maybe she was going to stand up on it until Stuntman Mike showed up. I don't know. I Maybe. think... <clears throat> it reminds me a little bit of... Um, where Odysseus has himself strapped to the ship's mast uh, in uh, in the Odyssey mm-hmm. uh, because they're, they're going to the Sirens Island and he, he wants to hear the Sirens song, but he doesn't want to turn the ship onto the rocks and kill his crew. Mm. So he straps himself to the ship's mast, which is kind of what she's done. So that's the only connection I can think. Otherwise, very, very, very unlike a ship's mast. <laughs> um 
So they, <coughs> they, they're on this car. They've got. So can you say it's the car from Vanishing Point? And that's it's the, the whole actual point. car. No, no, no. Right. But the idea, the reason she's doing it is because she loves mm-hmm. Vanishing Point. And just one other thing, I want to say, uh, they've given their cheerleader friendly to a, 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 a bloke. <laughs> And told him that she's making a pornographic film mm. and and gone. So I just I just want to say that they've done that. Yeah, yeah. And he was all like, mm-hmm. Yeah, and she when says they... gulp. And yeah. then that's the last we see of her. We'll come back to it. I just wanted to make sure we stated that. If these are fucking heroes, that's a not heroic <laughs> thing that they do. I'm glad and you... that's Abernathy as well that does that. Abernathy literally does that to, because she wants to join them for the game of Ship Smash. She's presented it's, Abernathy, our hero. not heroic behaviour. She's presented with the option of staying there with Lee while they go off and do it. She's like, oh, or just saying fucking no. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to say this right now. This is the first point... As they start to play ship's mast and they're driving to places, this is where I felt my patience starting to wait. Now, I, I absolutely love what he's done here, which is go, <laughs> fuck you guys, you've just spent 40 minutes getting to know Jungle Julia and her friends. They're all dead. We're going to start over. It's a great moment. But you are then aware that you are going to have to learn a little bit about these girls enough to sort of care about the end of it. And so it does feel a little bit like a little... Patience testing around this period. I don't know how you guys felt. Uh, the opposite. I felt like <clears throat> this was the first moment when they're playing Ship's Mask where I was. I fell in love with this film. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm liking the stuff with <clears throat> Stuntman Mike, and, and I like I like the first death. But I'm like, this is what I've signed up for, mm. and now it's happening. Car action. That's yes. what you signed up for. All yep. right. All right. I mean, I won't lie. The stunt looks terrifying that Zoe Bell did herself. I, 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 you you watch it and you go. It's quite often the most uh, the most basic stunts that are, are the most dangerous. I think Vic Armstrong uh, yes. once talked about, you know... Hey, did you just hear that? Yes, the horse. The, the horse. horse. Mm. But Kim's here, so are you... Uh, sorry, that noise Chris made, he's not having a seizure. <laughs> uh, we have a klaxon that goes off when I talk about something that I've previously talked about, but do you know Multiple the Vic Armstrong time. story? No, I would don't. You, would you like to hear it? Vic Armstrong story. I would like to hear it, yeah, I, I want to know. So quite often Vic Armstrong talks about one of the most dangerous stunts he's done is the stunt in The Last Crusade where he jumps from the horse onto the tank and like to look to watch it, you as a viewer go, oh, it's cool. He jumped from the horse into the tank. But the the things that can go wrong with quite a simple stunt like that mm. are uh, 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 um, plenty. So I think this okay. looks fucking terrifying. It does. But can I tell you something mad? Go on. Uh, the mannequin and the Barbie episode have exactly the same number of listeners to the, <gasps> the to the one person. <laughs> <laughs> which wow. is madness to me and also makes me proud because it's a very, you know, it's a v- good numbers, really strong numbers for mm. us. I would expect that from Barbie, but I'm so proud of our listeners from and Mannequin. Yeah, that well, fucking piece of shit. <laughs> and I love. No. Kim's a big Mannequin fan. Mm-hmm. I think, would you have for that over Barbie? I would have oh my God, been. that's hilarious. That would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway. I do love the moment where... Um, I actually think it's a little bit it's a little bit wasted. <laughs> Get me, I'm about to say Quentin Tarantino doesn't do something properly. The bit where they stop my mic's gone. That was so much fun and driven off. And you've got uh, Kim and Abernathy sitting in the front of the car, and uh, Zoe Bell is missing at that point. 
there's no point where I don't think she's fine. Or like I, I don't think their performances suggest in that moment that they they think their friend is dead, which means that that very funny moment where she sort of just pops up like, like in the underground and goes, yeah, I'm okay. Mm. It, you lose something there by not realising that they are traumatised over her death at that point. What do you think? I, no, I thought they did think she was dead. Right. Maybe I was just misreading it. Um, I did. I I got to be honest. In this film, I did think Zoe. There's there's such good actresses cast in this film that I did think Zoe Bell was noticeably worse than them. When, oh when, no, I completely disagree. Okay, but, but carry on. But so that was my feeling. And then when she's on the car acting. I think she's amazing when she's looking scared, when she's having a go at him. Like, she transforms to me to, to one of the, the best actress in the film. Mm. I just... I'm, yeah, sorry. But yeah, so you, you're a fan of her performance. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> fine, fine. <laughs> Carry on with your beer. Carry on with your beer. <laughs> Do you want me to validate that? God, I won't. <laughs> I thought we were disagreeing. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in both camps. I, I, I think. I, I think initially, I don't know whether they shot it chronologically. I do think at the, the, the moment where she's. Uh, injected into the group that first first couple of moments you're like oh there is a there's a noticeable gap because she's not a professional actress no a hundred percent and I think she's become better as an actress as I've seen her in more things yeah. no I mean I was saving this for for when we talk later mm. but um, I I totally disagree with that I thought she was the best thing about those that group of women always I thought she was natural and relatable and she talks in a way that's kind of you identify with as a, or I do mm. as a woman well then put her in a Shane Meadows movie then yeah well because these girls are speaking like Quentin Tarantino <laughs> maybe that's what it is there's a naturalism to her yeah that, 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 yeah. that rubs the wrong way when you're when you're doing stylized Quentin Tarantino I can get on board with that yeah yeah Let's kill this bastard. Brilliant. <laughs> they don't say it in a northern accent. <laughs> Joey Bell does. Uh, yeah, let's kill this bastard. Uh, brilliant. Uh, the hunter becomes the hunter. Oh, when she grabs the pipe. Oh, oh, get it on. It's, it's so good. Uh, he does not like being shot. We were talking about this the other week. You know, uh, who was it? Oh. It was in the 48 Hours episode where the villain, when yes. he gets shot, he just can't believe he's been shot. Yeah, yeah. And there's a similar thing here where, like, people, psychopaths who just, like, believe they're indestructible, like, when, act, when they actually get injured, it's fucking, do you know what? It's also like, it's like uh, Christian Bale in American Psycho when he's yeah. like, my face bit. It's like, yeah. and, and, like um, he does the same thing here. Mm. Yeah, and, and I tell you, I do remember that getting such a great reaction in the cinema when he starts having his meltdowns, yeah. when he when he's becoming hysterical here and he has his meltdown at the end, yeah. people, it's really funny to a big audience because it's so unexpected and it's so satisfying watching this this big strong man turn into realize he's such a wimp mm. um, and he's such a baby. It's just it's a really enjoyable, cathartic uh, audience experience. Hundred mm. percent. It's uh, it's wonderful. Uh, the car action here mm -hmm. is incredible. I didn't mean anything. I was just playing around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's lovely stuff. I, I mean, you know, this is the first movie Quentin Tarantino is his own cinematographer. Um, 
It's great. I, I, I love the way he shoots the car stunts. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's and, really good. It's and, really exactly what he said about, like, meaty, about feeling it in your stomach, and you do, because it's all done for real. Long takes. And there's no music until this point. We, the, 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 the car chases, we were just hearing this, the noise of the engines and the wheels, but now we get music. Mm-hmm. And also, he said that he, he... And I hadn't really thought about it in these terms. He said there's two completely different kinds of car chases. One where you're, the protagonist is doing the chasing, and one where he's being chased and you have a completely different emotional response and he said the more enjoyable one is where you're doing the chasing mm. as the character and he said that's why the fine that the um the french connection works so well and so he said i'm, I'm doing both i'm gonna give you both emotions <laughs> in this film in the space of half an hour which he does and they both and i, I know what he means you you get two different emotions in this in, mm. in this sort of passage of film and when they finally from the side road Knock his car over, it flips, he gets crushed, and he's yelling, screaming for help. Help him, wait, my leg, my leg! And they drag him out. And for a brief moment, for the briefest of moments, you think, oh, they're just going to beat him up and not kill him. (laughs) And then uh, it cuts back, and Rosario Dawson's (laughs) Abernathy just drops her heel down onto his face, and it implodes. Well, the film ends, doesn't it? It sort of ends and then and then and then it cuts back so it's sort of a it's sort of a false ending which is Mm. very funny very Mm. very satisfying to see stuntman stuntman mike's face being caved in with the heel of a cowboy boot and that's the end of Mm. death proof great stuff shall we do the bits Mm -hmm. yes all right kim what is your best scene my best scene is the kills because that's what I'm here for, uh, and it was shot so well. We've talked a lot about it already, but that you that you see it multiple times, and I've so I've, the, the car crash, the, the three car, kills, yeah, the three kills, yeah, yeah, got it. Um, uh, is just just brilliant, and I've you know, and I think every time I've watched this film, I've gone back and watched it slowly and and paused. Uh, just to see. That's, that's why we're friends. <laughs> what did you do last night, Kim? Um, I spent about an hour just <laughs> pausing, watching, rewinding the deaths in Death Proof. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that when, that, um, when uh, she, Jungle Julia loses her leg that's hanging out the window. Which is fun because we, we spent the whole film looking at that leg. Yeah, yeah and, and, exactly. you know, And it's been out, it's, it's out of the car at the yeah. start, it's out yeah, of the yeah. car, and you're like, that's, uh, even that's, at the start, yeah, before you know what's going to yeah, happen, yeah. you're like, that's and dangerous. It's like whenever a kid puts their head out of a car window in a film, you're like, oh no. And I think that they talked about, you know, her long legs in the film, and maybe I made that up. But, you know, and then it's the same leg, I think, that she loses as um, uh, Rose McGowan loses. Oh, good shout. So, yeah, I like Love that. Love it. like that. Great yeah. one. Yeah, uh, I'll jump in here then. Yeah, 100% agree. It's it's those kills played in uh, three times over. Um, for me, more than the leg, it's uh, Butterfly's face being chewed up by the tyre of a car. I've seen legs being lost, arms being bitten off in various movies and what have you. I've never seen a tyre just chew up someone's face. And you sort of think, oh, my God, I imagine... I never, I've never considered what that might actually be like in real... Yeah, it's probably a bit like that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that shocked me. I love, love that moment. And also, you know... What a surprise. What a surprise to have spent 48 minutes getting to know these girls only to see every single one of them. You know, because, again, yep. playing with the slasher formula, you're sure, you think, oh, it's probably going to be probably going to be Arlene slash Butterfly. I think she's going to be the final. Oh, wait, none of them. Mm-hmm. Chris. Uh, it is the final shot 
of Abernathy putting her boots into <laughs> Stuntman Mike's head. That's what I've signed up for. That's what the film's building towards. And it is a very suitable payoff. Right then, let's move on to most valuable whatever. It can be anything in the movie. It can be an actor, it can be a writer, it can be a director, it can be anyone. Chris? Uh, I'm picking the worst actress in the movie, Zoe Bell. Uh, she's amazing. Yep. Um, and yeah, obviously this film doesn't work without her on the front of a car doing everything that she does at the end of the movie. And yeah, her face acting in that <laughs> sequence is phenomenal. So Because she's not scared. But she's acting scared. She's acting scared. In fact, she's having to do something that she's never had, that she's never done before. Mm. Um, so whenever she worked in film previously, when she was in a sequence like that, she was having to hide her face. And so, in the, because she's the stunt woman, and soon as soon as you see her face, she's fucked the sequence. And so she said, if she found it very hard to have her face up and have her head up in it in an action sequence, and she does it beautifully. So Zoe Bell. Kim? Zoe Bell as well, um, for those reasons, but also because of what I said before, um, in that I love her when she comes into the film and she's so naturalistic and warm and, and real um, to me, it instantly makes me warm to the wider group too um, and, and uh, gets me involved with these characters that we're just trying to get to know. So, um, But also, yeah, she's just completely badass isn't she so two for zoe bell i'll jump in with kurt russell i just think he's great i i i think he's that he exudes menace and yeah he's sort of like you just like i feel like i've met people like him sitting in bars in america where you're like oh you seem great oh my god no you're not okay at all i met a guy in san francisco at a bar he was like hey do you want to play pool and then we kicked me and my then girlfriend kicked his ass at pool and he was fucking livid he was like i want it well, let's go outside and sort this out for like real men i'm like whoa that was a big 180 so yeah yeah kurt russell uh mm. finally mm -hmm. if you could change anything any one thing about the film kim i would actually kill everyone except zoe bell i know that what the film's trying to do and mm. i appreciate that um but i you know i do love a good a good kill sequence and I would have liked some more to close this film and get see Stuntman Mike really kind of go to town on the, the other the other women and Zoe Bell be the one that you, deliver that I mean obviously all the women in this film deserve no. to die because they're all quite <laughs> annoying um, that, yeah, well, so would you would you so is that a reason get that on well. socials Nikki get that <laughs> get that quote all the women in this film deserve to die I know what because they're all quite not totally quite annoying they are though aren't they <laughs> Are they? Don't bring me in. Let's go back to this idea of in 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 the um, slasher world, sure. right? So not in real life. You don't yeah. mean in real life, do you? They wouldn't no. deserve to die because they're quite <laughs> no, in real no. life. Oh, of course not, kid. That's that's really why you're friends because you literally you just threw down a rope ladder and here he is popping his little head I'm out. Climbing, of that I'm hole. climbing. I'm climbing up the rope ladder. No, Kim. Whatever you said, Kim. Yeah, you are right. And and I would agree. And I think we would all as an audience enjoy seeing those characters that were drawn to be quite annoying deliberately yes. so get a nasty death knowing that it's not real yeah, yeah. <laughs> well do you know why they abernathy deserves to die go on you tell me she's left lee with that man so you, you know on to my change mm. um 
So, you know, obviously there's a muddy moral- morality when it comes to this kind of film. And, and it's sort of, you feel like Eli and, and Michael Bacall's characters should get a bit of a comeuppance and they don't when they've said and done those horrible things. But hey, this is the kind of film we're talking about where guys like that don't always get a comeuppance. Fine, I can deal with that. But I think it's really unacceptable to leave that Lee storyline hanging where she's with a guy who might sexually assault her and we're led to believe there's potential for that. So I don't know. I feel like maybe during the credits we cut to a scene where she's playing board games with that character Jasper's daughter and and it's actually a nice situation she suddenly finds herself in and he wasn't a creep and it's all good. Because I think that would get a laugh and also I just feel like I need that sort of that storyline closed off because it it makes me really slight Abernathy and I don't think I'm supposed to. No. Uh, agreed, that's what I've got down here. Uh, I, I just What, do you want to see her playing board games with Jasper's daughter or something? I had board, that is very specific. I had board games with Jasper. <laughs> ah, OK. Jasper's daughter. Oh, fine, fine, that works as well. I also would like, talking about kind of loose ends, I don't think they bought that Italian Vogue from the Circle A Clark... And she was desperate to get her hands on They were going to go three ways yeah. on that. I don't know. Well, wasn't I don't it, know. Wasn't it my version of the film? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, before we leave and enter the verdict... Sorry, you, 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 wanted... you literally asked to just take, take in my change. That, no, I, it's, it's fine. It's there. Okay, let me just... Want to the, the, well, no, you went a bit fast. Well, there it is. Uh, you got it? Can you got it. it. All right. Got it. Uh, so, yeah, Quentin Tarantino said uh, Death Proof has got to be the worst movie I ever made. He says this about his heart. And then here's another quote, which I, I, this is why I was getting a bit confused when I was reading it and I was trying to pay attention to what we were saying. For a left-handed movie, that wasn't so bad, all right? So if that's the worst I ever get, I'm good. But I do think one of those out-of-touch, old, limp, flaccid dick movies costs you three good movies as far as your rating is concerned. Mm. Okay. And, and saying it was his worst film ever made, he was just saying, in terms of his filmography, uh, he wants to go out with a terrific filmography. And I think he's kind of saying, if Death Proof is the worst, I'm fine with that. Mm. Okay. I, I need to rewatch Jackie Brown because to me, that's his worst film. I, I we'll, certainly, do we'll do it soon. I certainly had a lot I've got, more I've fun. I've got with a pair this. for it, and, it, and it, is, it is a good film, I think. I think it's better than this, but. Okay. Okie dokie. <clears throat> right then. So. I'll just do it. It's time for the verdict. <laughs> yeah. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! <laughs> it's not as funny when Vicky's not here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, exactly. Uh, right then, who would like to go first? I think I guess you go first. I do too, of Kim. Oh. Way, which way are you voting? I am voting for Death Proof. And that's because there's a whole film here. And I, I think it's it's strong as a standalone and not just pastiche. Mm. And it feels like, you know, there's lots I love about Planet Terror, of course, but um, it does feel every step of the way that that is pastiche and that is what's paramount. Um, and I think this works, Death Proof works as a, as a horror as well as a homage to Grindhouse. So, yeah. That is one vote for Death Proof. I'll, I'll jump in here. I mean, honestly, uh, there's no real contest for me this week. I enjoyed Planet Terror. I enjoyed it. I, I really did. Death Proof proves, however, whereas uh, a lot like what you've just said, Kim, Planet Terror feels like it's it's too heavily influenced by the movies. It's paying homage to to actually work outside of this, whereas Death Proof, 
it's you know it shows just how bloody brilliant a filmmaker Quentin Tarantino is that even when he's paying homage to a movie style from the 70s he can't help but still make that movie bloody brilliant um uh, cuz death proof is bloody brilliant in the car chase and you know I'm a fan of a car chase it's a doozy at the end of death proof so yeah that's the second vote for death proof and that is our winner this week but let's hear Chris Tilly's angle I find about an hour of death proof tiresome. I really do find the conversations just do my nutting. But I find the entirety of Planet Terror tiresome. <laughs> I just don't get on with it. It's, it's the, those reasons I gave on Monday. It's just too much going on. I need some kind of focus for me to, to grab onto. And I do love 30 minutes of death proof. I fucking love it. And so... It, not really fine margins for me. Death Proof wins. Three for three on the podcast this week. Death Proof is our winner. But don't forget, you can have your say about how right or wrong we got it when the poll goes up on Twitter. Uh, right, listen, let's look ahead to next week. And the clue Chris gave on Monday's episode. I said we'd be enjoying two subs, two subs. with our movies. With Do our you movies. know what the films might be, Kim? Uh, is it? The Meg 2. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way you go with the subs angle. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what people are probably going to do. Yeah. Oh, and they're not, they won't have seen another clue inside. Uh, no, the films we are doing... <laughs> I feel stupid now. Yeah, sub, submarines, yeah, yeah obviously. It's the hunt for Red October I, I was thinking, I was thinking and of Crimson Tide. I, I was referencing <laughs> subs as in sandwiches, subs. Well, no, yeah. No, it wasn't. It was substitute. <laughs> um, we're doing... Um, we're doing... <laughs> no one's got this. We're <laughs> Definitely. Um, kindergarten Cop and School of Rock. Oh. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> so, uh, yes, that is our pairing for next week. Kindergarten Cop versus School of Rock subs. Not sandwiches or submarines. Substitute teachers. Substitute teachers. <laughs> I'm happy with it. I'm on it. I'll be uh, honest well, with we'll it. see. We'll see what happens on Twitter. Uh, that is your pairing. So do your homework because on Monday we'll be back with part one of Kindergarten Cop versus School of Rock as we talk Kindergarten Cop. Uh, a huge thank you to our guest this week. Kim, thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been fun. It's been lovely having you here. It's been great. Will you let us buy you some wine now? Yes. Mm, great okay. stuff. Uh, all right. Well, as we make our way uh, to uh, the scariest pub in Islington. No, we'll go to the nice one because the sun's out. Oh, and Kim's here. And Kim's here. <laughs> Kim's here. Yeah, right. Let's go to the nice one. Uh, all right. Do your homework. Kindergarten Cop on Monday. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.